tonight did a, a message or a teaching on spirit, soul, and body. And this is probably going to take us uh, two or three weeks. I don't know. It might take longer than that. Depends on. Just depends. And we're going to use the paper dolls. So I've never done it with paper dolls before. Hallelujah. And I, I've only used the paper dolls a couple of times. But hallelujah. We'll, we'll tr so y'all bear with me, with me if I'm trying. And also I'm going to use the marker board. So boy, I just got all, I just got it all out tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Well, let's pray tonight and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. We thank you, Father, that there is a spirit, you have given us a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom, and we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. And Father, I thank you that your word is coming alive in us and, and the light of it is opening up all sorts of avenues of revelation and blessing. And Lord, we give you praise for it. We give you Thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And uh, the Word will open up blessings for you. The blessings are there, but it takes revelation of the Word uh, to receive those blessings. And so we're going to get that tonight. Um, we're going to learn some things about spirit, soul, and body. And one of the things we're going to do is, uh, and not this week so much, but in the weeks to come, is we're just going to find scriptures in the Bible. I have a list of scriptures. And we're going to uh, look at them either to see if they're talking about spirit or they're talking about soul or if they're talking about uh, body. Turn to 2 Timothy to get started tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Praise God. We love the Word. We honor the Word. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So that's why sometimes you hear people start to shout about the Word uh, when we first say open the Word because we love the Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, no, it must be 1 Timothy. I must have typed it in wrong. The, the type, it was a typewriter. It wasn't me. 1 Timothy chapter... Well, where am I? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Y'all help me find it. I, boy, I just must have missed it. Oh, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I was looking in chapter 1 and that just didn't work. Second Timothy. It was Second Timothy. It is chapter 2 and it is verse 15. This is the noisiest church that I have ever been in. I mean, the sounds that come through this wall are, are something, something else. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now we've looked at this, I mean you've seen this scripture before and probably had this scripture spoken to you before. And the, probably the emphasis that you heard about this scripture before was study to show yourself approved. And that's true. But the important, most important word our most important phrase in this verse is the last phrase where it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if you will rightly divide the word of truth, you won't have to be ashamed. And, uh, going back to that first part of the verse. If you will rightly divide the word of truth, you will not have to be ashamed. And so there's, uh, we need to know uh, how we're supposed to divide the Word of God. The Word has to be divided. The Word of God has to be divided. If you just take this whole thing and don't divide it, uh, you're going to... Um, you're going to mess it up. <laughs> you're just going to get me you're going to be messed up and you're going to mess it up. Uh, it also if it says that we need to rightly divide the word of truth, then it stands to reason that we could wrongly divide the word of truth. And so tonight we're going to learn two ways about rightly dividing the word of truth. 
Every problem that we have as a Christian, I said Christian, I'm not talking about the sinner, man, or the world. Every problem we have as a Christian comes from not, well, yeah, I just love that music, don't you? <laughs> uh, comes from not, uh, Lord, send that person somewhere else. <laughs> send them to the Dairy King or something. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, come, every problem that we have as a Christian comes from not dividing the word of truth rightly. Anything that you find hard to understand in the Bible is because you need to divide it. You need to rightly divide the word of truth. And so one way that we have to divide the word of truth is in 1 Corinthians 10.32. And we're gonna, I just want to give you this little background tonight uh, of this because it's really going to help us. 1 Corinthians 10.32. And we'll write that up over here. We'll write that over here. Say we will. I may have to use my teeth. That's what I do. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10.32, are y'all there? And we're going to read this. Um, <laughs> give none offense, there neither, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So he says, give none offense to, well, hmm, this has been to children's church too many times or something. Try again, try again. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And so we see here one way that we always have to divide the word. We have to know when we are reading the word of God, if he's talking to the Jews, if he's talking to the Gentiles, which is the same as if you nations or heathen, or in other words, the lost, or sinner, however you want to, however you want to say it. All of those fallen. That's that's Gentiles, or to the church, and this is the category that we fall in. We are the church. We are uh, born of His Spirit, and we are the church. And the church was a mystery in the Old Testament. Yeah, I think there's only like one reference, I believe, to the church, and it's prophetic in the Old Testament. The church was a mystery. They didn't know about it, uh, and it, it was not revealed until the day of Pentecost. And so, um, and so even the things that Jesus talked about in the Gospels, they are truth, but one of the things that He talked about in the Gospels was He was, he was always talking to the Jews, or He was talking to the sinners, but He was not talking to the church in the Gospels. And so uh, we have to rightly divide that. And one of the and he would always talk to the Jews, and He would tell them things like, if you even look at a woman you know, then you've committed adultery. And so what he was trying to point out to the Jews is, because see, no person could keep that. No human person could keep that, not even have and uh, never have a thought. And so uh, uh, he was trying to point out to them, you can't get righteous by the law. You need a Savior. And he kept pointing them to, you need a Savior. You need a Savior. But we've sometimes taken those scriptures and beat Christians over the head with them. Hallelujah. When he was talking to Jews. And so uh, we had really to find out what the, the church, the revelation of the church, we have to start in the book of Acts. We can see how Paul and Peter 
the things they demonstrated in the book of Acts and then beginning in 1 Corinthians or actually beginning in Romans. And actually Romans is really written to uh, partly to the Jews and some of Romans is to the Jews. But if you begin and then in 1 Corinthians, you begin to have the revelation to the churches. And especially Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians are your revelation to the church. And so the rest of the Bible, that doesn't mean we don't use it. That don't mean we doesn't learn from it. But we have to divide. We have to be careful. We can't take Old Testament scriptures over and whip Christians, the church, over the head with Old Testament scriptures. Amen? Y'all see what I'm saying? And then if you will turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And this will help you so much. If you will just keep everything sorted out between Jews and Gentiles and church. And in the church, we're not under the law like the Jews were. We are under grace in the church. We are in, we're in a dispensation of grace. And where, where uh, God has put His wrath away. And He is not operating in wrath at all now. He's not operating in... in, in uh, he's not judging people for His wrath. And you will hear those kind of things from Christians. That God's, you know, He's judging America. And, you know, that tidal wave or that earthquake, that was God's judgment. And uh, that's not what God's operating in now. He's operating in grace. He's operating in mercy right now. But we know, we've been studying revelation that on the first day of the when the church is raptured out that day the judgment or the wrath of God begins and he's going to judge and primarily the Jews to get them to receive Jesus because they just keep refusing to receive Jesus plus the just the Gentiles who have turned their back on and refused to receive Jesus also there and so if, if uh, like somebody said uh, judgment means to squeeze and he's going to squeeze it a little tighter so they may so they'll repent and turn to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we are in a dispensation of grace and it, the Bible says it's the goodness of God, not calamity, not tragedy. Right now it's the goodness of God that's leading men to repentance. And he's blessed he his blessings are are we we are very blessed people. We may not know it. First first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Another way that we have to divide the word. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Spirit, soul, and body. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Hallelujah. Because I believe and I actively release my faith for my, <clears throat> I mean, for my body to be preserved until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful healing scripture. The walk in health is that we are to be preserved. God's will is for us to be preserved. Spirit, soul, and body until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to divide the word. And if you don't divide the word between spirit, soul, and body, you're going to get things confused in the word of God. Now, in the Old Testament, God never talked to them about their spirits. Now the only you'll see the word spirit used in the Old Testament, but it's always referring to uh, uh, it's either referring to the spirit of God or it's, it's never referring to the spirit of man. When he talked to them in the Old Testament, he was constantly talking to them about their soul. 
He was always talking. So you'll see lots of references in the Psalms and so forth to the soul. And we in the church have gotten our doctrine where we say, do you know, do y'all ever hear this said? And we used to say it ourselves, so we're not condemning anybody. But you ever, we're believing for souls to be saved in this revival. Well, souls don't get saved. Well, they do actually, but it's not, they don't. But that's not what gets saved when you come up to the front and you pray the sinner's prayer and you confess Jesus as your Lord. Your soul is not affected immediately. But what gets saved is your spirit. But the reason that we have gotten that doctrine in the church of getting souls saved is because we have primarily taught, we've been going over into the Old Testament and getting scriptures and using them to form our New Testament doctrine. But it's the spirit of man that becomes born again and becomes saved. And the soul does get saved, but it's a progressive work caused by the renewing of the mind. And then the body is not uh, is saved, although the body is um, affected by our spirit. But the body is not going to be saved, so to speak, until we get our resurrected bodies. Hallelujah. Until that time, we are subject to things in this world. And the only way that we cannot be subject to them is to use our faith and, and release faith in the Word of God. And by releasing faith in the Word of God, we can override or walk above, or however you want to say it, the curse that is in this world. So here we have God. Tonight, I know if anybody was listening to us, if a, somebody had been listening, I was asking, Pastor, where's God? I mean, where's God? He's like, I don't know, where's God? We were looking for God. Amen. Hallelujah. But we found God, and there's God. That's just a picture. I mean, you know, that's not, that's not a... But we're just trying to give you... A, get you to thank him and how God is light and God is love and so forth okay so uh, let's see let's turn and first of all let's put up here let's put up and this is the born again man you understand let's put up spirit soul and body we set I wanted them separated out pastor's been having to manufacture these for me anyway and I want this is the born again man and this is his spirit born again got the light of God inside of him amen this is his soul and this is this white stands for a renewed mind this Christian that we've got up here he's got his mind renewed amen he's got the light of God operating in his mind and his body has the life of God operating in it it's beginning his spirit is the life of God and the renewing of his mind is beginning to affect his body and so he's gotten divine health or and healing and and he's walking in health and he's walking in victory and he's walking in uh, those things. Amen? Man is a spirit being. And man, God is a spirit being. And we are made in the image and likeness of God. In Genesis 1.27 I'm going to turn there real quickly. I'm already there so you may not have time. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. So we are created in the image of of God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We are in God, we are in God's class. We're the same class of being as God is. And He wanted someone to fellowship with. Hallelujah. Now, um, we when we got born again, and I didn't bring it in here, the seal, but when you were born again, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians said you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you are sealed. Hallelujah. And, uh, but uh, Adam, when he was in the garden, he was not sealed. Adam looked like this too. 
spirit saw. He looked just like this. But he did not have a seal. We have an advantage. We are better than Adam. We have a greater and a better covenant. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, He did more for us. He didn't just return us to as it was in the garden. He did more for us. First of all, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus. Talk to you a minute about why Adam wasn't. But we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. But secondly, uh, we have resurrection life. And, and no one ever had resurrection life until Jesus was raised from the dead. And He had resurrection life. And He gave that life unto us. So we have greater than Adam. Amen. We just don't know it. That's why we don't operate greater and greater everything than we do. Amen. Adam, Adam had so much life of God in him, and he, it, and, and he was so he was operating. In, and this is his uh, uh, his soul, which would have his mind. He was operating in full intelligence capacity. And the light that the scripture gives us about that, it just gives us a little hint of how intelligent Adam was, was the fact that he named every animal. And if you think about that, I'm not sure uh, exactly, you know, uh, about how many animals and microorganisms and insects, but I know it's got to be tremendous. I read in the uh, my Southern Living magazine the other day that daylilies, does anybody, I love daylilies, that there are 50,000 different kinds of daylilies. And so I'm just thinking, man, just think about how many bugs and insects and little things swimming in the ocean that, that have a name. All of them have a name. The scientists know the names. And, and birds, think about all that. All the different kinds, all the different species. And Adam, with such intelligence, named them all. And that's the kind of hint that God has given us of how intelligent Adam was. He was operating in full brain capacity. And they say that we only operate with a very small percentage. I don't know what exactly the percentage is, but it's really small percentage of our brain and what our brain is really capable of. But if we get a handle on really what God has done for us in the new birth, we can start, we can make progress on that. Amen? And I know, and you, this is something you need to teach your children. Once they get born again, there's no sense in a Christian ever, 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 ever having another problem in school. And it, you know, our problem is, is that we tell them. Like one man told us one time, we, we've been involved in Christian school a lot. He said, you know, if you teach kids they descended from apes, they're going to act like them. Amen. So we teach them in our public schools. They came from apes, and guess what they do? They act just like they came from apes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we didn't come from apes. Amen. We are in a, the class. We're in the God class. We're not in the we're not in the ape class. We are in the God class of being. Amen. Hallelujah. So. Um, <clears throat> We, uh, I, I was starting to tell this, Brother Hagen talks about when he got born again. How old was he? I don't know. Was he 17? I know he got set, healed at 17. Was he 17 when he got born again? Does anybody know? Anyway, when he got born, I mean, he had been a poor student before that, but he just understood. Something in him just understood that I'm changed. So, they don't have to be that way. And he went from being a very poor student to immediately knowing that he can depend on the life of God now, and he doesn't have to be a poor student in anything. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. Uh, you know, family, we need to quit trying to live for God and start letting God live through us. 
Because we're failing miserably. The church is failing miserably at trying to live for God. And you've been taught all your life, live for God. You sang the song, living for Jesus. A life that is true. Striving to please Him. In all that I do. You've heard that song. I've sung that song a bunch of times. But we need to quit trying to live for Jesus and let Him live through us. Yeah. Amen. He's the greater one and He's inside of us. Glory to God. Um, glory. Uh, let's see. Man was created to live as long as God lives. He was to be the companion and associate of deity. Now, the reason Adam wasn't sealed, I got back to that, I remembered. He was not sealed because God created man with free choice. And Adam was created just like this. And God did not want robots. He did not want puppets that just had, that just, he wanted someone to, he wanted someone in his class. So he, the, so Adam had to have choice to be in God's class. He also had to have dominion to be in God's class. If he had no dominion, he was not in God's class. You know how it's just more fun to fellowship with somebody that's on your level. I know if you're uh, 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 at the, you know, uh, you know, some of us just can't keep up. You know, over at the university, there's probably some people that wouldn't enjoy fellowshipping with me at all. Because I'm just not, I'm in their class. In fact, I'm probably in the better class than they are because they're probably not born again, some of them. But intelligence-wise and what they know about science and computers, it's like we wouldn't have anything to talk about. God wanted a man that he had something to talk about with. He wanted somebody that would be in his class. He wanted somebody with dominion, and so he gave man dominion. Verse Genesis 1:26, have dominion, he said. And he wanted someone, he wanted someone that would choose to love him, choose to serve him, not somebody that he was making to serve him, making to love him. And so he gave Adam free choice. So therefore he could not be sealed. However, now this is the man. Uh, let's put up here the lost spirit, soul, and body. This is, the, this is the sinner man. And this is what we were before we were born again. This is how we looked if you could have seen us. If you could have looked in the spirit realm, well, this would have been our spirit and this would have been our soul, and this would have been our body. And see, we, we made a choice. The reason He could seal us when we got born again, so that we could never lose it, we could never... It, the reason He could seal us is because we made a choice. We were lost, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, and we chose Jesus. And in the twinkling of eye, we were recreated. We're going to look at that scripture in a minute. And we were made into this man. We made our choice, so now we're sealed. And now there's, only, there's one way that you can get unsealed and, get, uh, and lose your salvation, and it's not sin. It's not sin. It's not sin. And I will talk about that more later. But what can cause you to lose your salvation, it talks about it in Hebrews, and you have to be, you have to not be deceived. You have to understand what you're doing and decide, I don't want Jesus to be my Savior. I don't want God to be my Father anymore. I want out of this. And you, but you have to have all your faculties. You cannot be, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia or, uh, you know, some kind of mental illness. You have to have your faculties. You can't be in a, a little temper fit of rage. 
There's been more men and women got mad at God because of a lost loved one or a, uh, someone died or something. They're mad at God. They're shaking their fist at God. God does not throw you out. And see, you can't see. The, we hear some people preach it. You could you'd think you know I'm I'm this one day. <laughs> I'm this one day. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. I mean, it's like, it's like, and you, it's, you know, see, if we're in a whole new species of being. This man is dead. God can't find him. He's dead. He's gone. God will never, God can't find him to, to say, well, oh, you missed it. You used the Lord's name in vain. Here you are. No, he can't even find this man to give him back to you. Amen. And so you would have to, by an act of your will, make a choice. I don't want Jesus to be my Lord. You'd have to, the Bible says you have to be full of the Holy Spirit. You have to have tasted of the heavenly gifts. Man, you, have, you, you aren't just a baby Christian. You, are, you, have, you know, the Bible says you know the powers of the, of the world to come. Thank you for helping me. You know the powers of the world to come. I mean, you've tasted it all, and you say, I don't want him to be my Lord. Well, then you're going to be lost. You're going to go back to, you're going to be uh, uh, dead. You're going to die spiritually, and you can never, ever, ever be saved again. So you don't lose your salvation. If you ever do, you ain't never coming back. If you ever, in your right mind, hallelujah, make that decision, I don't want Jesus to be my Lord. And you know there's not very many people that have ever done that. But there are a few. There are a few. Okay, so Adam was created to live his long lives. He's the companion and associate of deity. And he's to have authority over all the laws of nature. Y'all hear me. He's to have authority over all the laws of nature. I saw something on TV last night. I think it was an advertisement. It says, you can't, you can't, there's some things in life you can't, you can't control. You can't control who your parents are. That was true. You cannot, my dad used to say, you can't choose your relatives. You can choose not to associate it with them, but you don't, you can't choose them. But you can't choose, you can't choose your parents. But it said, there's another thing you can't do anything about. You can't do anything about the weather. And I thought, that's not true. And see, we get stuff like that from TV in our minds because, you know, we kind of grew up, especially if you grew up like, like I did, thinking everything's on TV was truth. But, it, you know, it's not true. We have authority over the laws of nature, all the laws of nature. We have authority. We have authority over rain. We can, just like Jesus, we can speak to storms. We can speak to tornadoes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Um, Adam... Adam, 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 this was Adam, and he was born again in reverse. He went from this and made that choice to looking like this. Now, here's really what Adam looked like when he, you know, we could stack these up, but y'all can see it. When, when Adam first fell, the day he fell, he just, he, he looked like this. And he still had, he still had uh, some light in his soul. I mean, and that's, that began to diminish slowly. He still had some understanding of the things him and God had talked about and fellowshiped about. And he still had life working in his body. The life of God, the Zoe life of God that he used to have still was into, in his body. It was in his body so much that it took him how long? 900 and, 930 years to die. That's why it took him so long to die. It's because he has, he has the life the residue of the life that was in him, he's got it still working in his body. But slowly, uh, his, his, uh, his mind began to be less and less light, 
less and less light began to decay, began to not be as much light. And slowly, up until the 930th year, his body was beginning to be subject to the curse. And so it took 930 years for this to happen, but he became, he looked like this. Now you say, well, what about the Old Testament saints? Well, I've got you an Old Testament saint here. Like Daniel, David, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Ruth, uh, all the heroes of the Old Testament that we love. And I can't wait to get to heaven and be with them and see them. I believe they're awesome people. But at that time, when they walked the earth, they looked something like this. I know this looks weird, doesn't it? But see, they, had, they were dead spiritually. They weren't in the same class of being as we are. This is us. And they looked like this in their spirit, man. And their soul, they did not have a renewed mind, but they had some light. That's what these little spots are. They had some light. They had, they had some light. They had some fellowship with God. They had some, uh, they had some understanding of some things of God. Of course, they don't, they di and they didn't, they don't know what we, they didn't know what we know. They didn't know near. You may think, well, oh, they were so awesome. They didn't know a fraction a minuscule percentage of what you know, they did not know. They, but they had some light. And they had they, the light that they did have, they had some, uh, as they believed God at their level, and they trusted Him, and they served Him, and they kept the law, they could even have healing in their bodies. And many of them walked in some divine health and got healing in their bodies, but they did not have, they did not look like us. And Jesus talked about this. He said, uh, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that ever lived. And he said, but he, he, is the, he, was, he was less than the smallest person in the kingdom of God. Why? Because the person in the kingdom of God, the born-again Christian, the born-again Christian, is not even in the same class as that person right there. And this was looked like John the Baptist looked. You know what? This looks just like the apostles that walked with Jesus. Right here. I don't know what. I don't have Jesus here. But Jesus looked like this. Only I have him stacked up. And Jesus looked like this. But the apostles that walked with him looked just like that. And we'll look at some scriptures about that. Um, so Adam was born again in reverse. He became a partaker of Satan's nature. He went from partaking of God's nature to being a partaker of Satan's nature. He was a new satanic creation. Isn't that exciting? He had a fallen nature, and he was a new satanic creation. And he had uh, he was not he had had taken that free choice that he had and used it wrongly. Um, but when, and we are fallen, and when we receive God, though, we are sealed. Before the, all, before the fall, Adam was spirit-ruled. When Adam looked like this, he was spirit-ruled. And this is how, really, we should look. We should look is something, really, if you really wanted to get how God wants us to look, you know, we, you'd, be, you'd look something like this. The spirit would be completely in control. The mind and emotions are subject to the Spirit. And Adam looked just like this before he fell. Something to that effect. Uh, his senses were subject to his Spirit. His senses are in the, the body is where the senses are located. The five senses are in the body. Uh, he was operating in full mental capacity and he was totally dominated by his spirit man. 
totally dominated. Get back there, soul. Hide there, soul. Get, I'm trying to get this soul hid. Okay. Totally dominated by his spirit man. And after the fall, his spirit was subordinate. We said he looked like this. His spirit became subordinate to his senses from the body, and he was ruled by his senses. He relied upon his senses. He was ruled by fear. He was, death was working in his body, beginning to work in his body. And turn to Psalm 142, verse 7. Okay, here we go, rightly dividing the word of truth. I might can just go all night on this. Y'all may have to stay a long, long time. Ooh, I didn't even get on. I'm just barely on. I'm just, I thought I'd, ooh, hallelujah. He says, uh, here in the Psalms, it's, listen to this. It says, it, look, it, it says, uh, here he is. Here he is, here he is, here he is. Old Testament man. And he says, well here, let's, let's say this is David, Old Testament saint. Let's just say he looks. Oh, here he is, right here. But let me get him. Old Testament saint, and he says in Psalm 142, verse 7, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. See, his, the Old Testament saint, his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, his personality, and his conscience. Actually, all of those things in the soul. Usually we just say mind, will, and emotions, but actually it's a little more than that. Were in prison. They, it, his soul was in prison to this man. His soul was in prison. And we've been set free. Amen? We've been set free. Okay. Uh, turn to First Thessalonians 5.23 again. Let's look at that. We've got it up. We saw spirit, soul, and body up on the board. I think I already covered that. But I want to just talk. Let me put the, uh, the spirit, soul, and body. And y'all can turn to the scripture. And he said, I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He'll do it. He'll do it if we'll believe it and begin to use our faith for it. And see, we've accepted what the world tells us about our bodies. And uh, we don't have to accept that. Amen. There's a different. There's a different. There's a different set of rules for us, but the world's not going to tell you about them. First of all, they don't know. Amen. Uh, so man is three parts, and here's his body. The yellow is his body, and that's just the tent, the covering, the shell. Actually, you know, if we could show, we show this. But if we showed it right, it'd be like this. But you can't see it that way, so we don't show it that way. But see, the, see, my body's all you can see of me. You can't see anything else. This is all you can see. And see, if we're not careful, we can get fooled by that. Because all I can see is my body. And I can't see eye spirit. And you know, I'm, and so really most people uh, kind of work in, even church people kind of work in two realms. They know they've got a body because they can see it. And they're pretty sure they got a soul because they feel things. And psychologists are always dealing with the soul. They're not ever dealing with the spirit. And they'll never fix. If this man's got problems, they're never going to fix it. The only thing that'll fix it is the new birth. It won't, you can't fix your soul. Now you can help some. I mean, I know they help some. And they medicate it. And they tranquilize it. And they, and you know, and they even kind of counsel it. 
And I'm not saying everything they say is wrong, but they can never fix it. They can never fix it because the only thing that fixes man uh, is to be born again. Amen. And once we're born again, if we will start renewing our mind, we won't need a psychologist, folks. We will not need a psychologist. And we can even get to the point where we don't have to have a doctor. And the reason we need doctors right now is because our mind's not totally renewed. That's the only reason we need doctors. And we go to the doctor after we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, until he was, he was three, I think. Let's see, we... Let's see, he was born in 76. We got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1980, January 1st. He was three and a half years old when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And up until that point, we had him in the doctor's office all the time. I practically had a standing appointment on Monday morning at the pediatrician in Lubbock, which was 60 miles away from where we lived. Because I lived there. I did. And I was raised, hey, I was not raised with none of this revelation. I was raised, my mom, you could sneeze and she had you at the doctor's office. I'm telling you. And I, but I raised my kids. We just prayed and believed God. Now, we got their shots. We did all those kind of things. And we, I've had him sewed up. I mean, I was, all, I was having to sew him up some, you know. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we raised them on faith when we believed God. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> um, Let's see. The spirit that is not born again. Okay, wait a minute. Let me start over. The body, the tent, the covering the shell, the body possesses the five senses, and the senses teach the brain. We know all that. The brain cannot function without the senses. The brain is dependent upon the senses. The spirit that is not born again, that's him right here. The spirit that is not born again uh, is in harmony with Satan. The spirit that is not born again... This man, let's take this down. We can talk about this guy for a while. This is the lost man. Uh, spirit, soul, body. That's the lost man. The spirit that is not born again, the, uh, he is in harmony with Satan. He does not object to sin. He does not object to sin. Sin does not bother him. And then so you're, see, so you, you turn on the news tonight and you're like, they just murdered three policemen in Birmingham. How can they do that? Do they not think about people's families? Do they not have a value for human, human life? They do not object to sin. They don't have, they don't even feel bad about it. I want you to turn to uh, uh, John 8, 44. And this man who is not born again, ooh, Hallelujah. It should not surprise us that sinners sin. But we act surprised. And let me just show you something while I'm at it. I want to show you what it looks like to marry an unbeliever. This is what... It is not hard to figure out why God does not want you to marry an unbeliever. If you look at this. And you know, the Bible says, let not man put asunder what God has joined together. Let me tell you, God did not join this together. The state of Alabama might have. I don't care what they say. God does not ever, He will never. Now, I'm they, you're one flesh with them. The Bible says, He that joins himself to a harlot is one flesh with a harlot. But you are not one spirit with them, and you can never be. Now, sometimes we find ourselves in this position because we both used to look like this. And then one of us got saved. And now we got this. 
And the Bible gives us instructions what to do when that happens. But the instructions He gives to us when we're looking for a mate is don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Because you are, let me tell you something, you are setting yourself up from hell. This part, are y'all in John? Are y'all in John 8, 44? Oh, there's been more women married the wrong man. There's been more men married the wrong woman. He says, here he's, Jesus is talking to these Pharisees and scribes and whatever, and he says, ye are of your father the devil. He says, you know, that's kind of scary. Because we sing little songs that don't line up with that. You know, there's, there used to be a song, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a, I'm thinking it was some sort of soft drink advertisement. And it says, you know, um, oh, uh, it talks about the world and the whole world and God is our father. God's not the whole world's father. He's not the father of every living human being. Their father is the devil. The word, did you know that in the Old Testament, fatherhood of God was not revealed? You can't hardly find any references to it. And when the ones you do are prophetic, he told them it's going to come. I'm going to be a father to you. He told them about how it was going to come. He began to reveal it through the prophets. But it's not referred to in the Old Testament. God was not their father in the Old Testament. He, they were His servants. They were, they were His servants. They were His servants. But now, we're not His servants. We're His sons. We're, we're joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus is our brother. Amen? And Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God anymore. He was in John 3.16. He was the only begotten Son of God. Adam was his son also, but he was the created son, not begotten son. Adam was the only created son of God. Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. Now Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God because the Bible says you are begotten of God. And he's the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. And we are sons of God. We're the sons of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I tell you, this is exciting. It changed your life to understand these things. Um, so his father is the devil. At, turn, to, I was, turn to Acts 23, verse 1. And he, I was talking a while ago about this man does not object to sin. He doesn't think anything about sin. It, his conscience, if his conscience hurts him at all, it, it's only if grandma, you know, he heard all his life grandma say, don't steal, don't lie. Now his conscience... Because see, the soul contains the conscience. And so his conscience might hurt him a little bit just because of what grandma said. But you know, if grandma didn't say anything, he don't mind murdering. And he is at the complete, uh, he's, he's under the sway of the devil. The devil can influence him. And you go, how could somebody go out and mass murder? The devil just influenced them. He, the devil has lordship over them. The devil, they are completely under the devil's power. And the only reason they all don't go out and do mass murders is because the devil just hadn't got around to them yet. I mean, because he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. And he's short-handed. The devil's short-handed. He don't have enough devils. There's not any more new demons being created, and he don't have enough to go around. And so we need things. I mean, we, can, we put deterrence on this man. We, mark, I mean, we make laws because we're trying to control this man. We shouldn't even, you know, if, it was, if we were all born again and we all knew we were and we were all living like it, you wouldn't even have to have a law. 
We'd have the law of love. We wouldn't even, we'd operate under that. We would, nobody would have to tell us, you don't, don't murder. That is so crazy that you'd have to tell a Christian not to murder. I wonder about that. I wonder if they're really Christian. Now, I know people sometimes, they lose their mind. You know, people lose their mind. They get under the control of devil in their mind. They get demon. You can be demon. You can be a Christian. The demon can never possess you in your spirit. A, de- a demon can't ever possess you, but he can get a hold of your mind. If you don't resist him and you let him play with your mind and you get out there and play with his junk and all that stuff that's in the world and you play with his drugs and you play with his n- filthy junk, he'll get. Con- and that's why we got Christians. We got born again people that look just like this and they're addicted to pornography. Because they let, they let it happen. It didn't, they let it happen. They toyed with it. And you don't get addicted in one time looking at, but you keep looking at stuff and you'll get, you'll get, you'll get possessed by it. You'll get, it'll get us, it'll get, and it, it, the only thing that'll set you free is the anointing, destroying the yoke, the power of God. The power of God can set you free. And nothing else will. You can go to psychologists all you want. Hallelujah. You might get it. And that's why you go to AA. Hallelujah. Why am I getting off on this? But you go to AA and they don't tell you. They say you're going to be an alcoholic all the rest of your life. That doesn't, that's not right. That's not right. You don't have to be an alcoholic all the rest of your life. Amen. And I know why they're saying it is because they're wanting you to be on your guard and not ever say, well, I'm free. But in Jesus, you can be set free. And you're not an alcoholic. And the old man is dead. Amen. He's dead. Okay. So the spirit is not born again. His harmony with Satan does not object to sin. We're at Acts 23.1. Look at what Paul said. And Paul earnestly beholding... And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. He said, I have lived in all good conscience. He, he, what he's saying there is everything I did before I got born again, I did it in good conscience. He murdered. I mean, he murdered Christians. Paul did. And he said, I did it in good conscience. In other words, it didn't bother him a bit. Now, it didn't bother him a bit. It don't bother the Christian to sin. I mean, excuse me, don't bother the sinner to sin. Don't bother them. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, the lost man's spirit is Satan rule. You don't want to marry. You do not want to marry someone lost. At any moment, the devil could take possession. They could murder you in your bed. You say, well, they're so sweet and so nice. Hallelujah. I'm not, you don't want to marry them. I'm just telling you, you don't want to marry them. Now, I'm not saying there's not some good folks out there that are lost. But... Bless their hearts, they're subject to the devil. Um, the Bible names for this lost spirit is the old man. You know, it talks about the old man. The born-again man is referred to in the Bible as the new man. The new man. This is the new man. He's the new man. This is the old man. Now, let's talk about this. In church, you've been taught, I know you have because I was, that... You look like this. I mean, you know, you were born again, and you said, and, and you, but, and then when you said a bad word, boy, a bad word slipped out of your mouth. Somebody told you, that's the old man. They told you, that's the old man. Didn't they tell you that? That's the old man. 
But it wasn't the old man. Yeah, having trouble with the old man. And uh, if you uh, you messed up, you did something you wasn't supposed to do, it was the old man. But this, you, it's not the old man. This man is dead. He's gone. He's been annihilated. He's gone. When you're born again, he's gone. It's not the old man. It's your soul. You need your mind renewed. It's habits. You know you can have a habit in your soul and be born again. If you were a cabinet door slammer, I used to be a cabinet door slammer. I have mangled a born-again Christian. I have mangled. I used to have an anger problem. I have mangled cabinet doors before. And, ha- and Pastor has had to rebuild cabinet doors in our house. Not recently, thank God. <laughs> but, you know, that wasn't the old man. That was just my flesh. I didn't have my flesh under control. My, I had a habit in my... You know, I had a habit of reacting in anger when I got upset. And so, man, and I tell you, I could... Whoo, nobody could slam a cabinet door. Whoo, I could slam a cabinet door and it would tear it off the hinges. I could slam it so hard. Some of you are looking at me like, I can't believe that about you. And some of you are looking at me like, I know what you mean. I've done it myself. And you know, we've had, you know, I know one time we first got married. I, see, if I'm going to tell on me, I'm going to tell it all. Uh, we've had some holes in the wall at our house. Some paneling. And boy, my, mom, my, my grandparents were coming to visit. Boy, you never seen, we covered that whole wall in contact paper. <laughs> Woo! See, my grandfather had said to my husband when I married him, if you ever hurt her, I'll shoot you. And he was a Christian, but he probably would have. Anyway, <laughs> but that's not the old man. And praise God, that was before we were filled with the Spirit. You know, we got filled with the Spirit, we got changed. Amen? Y'all are looking at me like, oh, I thought you were perfect. <laughs> well, if you're looking for perfect preachers, there are none. Amen. I'd rather just tell you about mine than to have you find out later. Amen. No, I just want to help you. I really just want to help you. Um, so he, the, by the new man. I know we had a friend. <laughs> this, was, this is kind of funny. I don't, I'll be, I don't know if you'll find it funny, but it was funny to us. We laughed and laughed. But he went to get his hair cut, and he was talking to the hairdresser, and he was talk, and I, I don't know, they were talking about sin or, and, and trying to live the Christian life and something to that effect. And she totally did not understand the new birth, you could tell. And so he said, just in getting his hair done, he said, but praise God, the old man's dead. And he was just rejoicing that his old man, his old man, where's the old man? The old man, old man, old man's... Anyway, he was rejoicing. The old man's gone. You know, I did away with him. He's annihilated. Anyway, he's praise God, the old man's dead. And she went, oh, I've never heard anybody say that about their daddy before. See, she didn't understand. She thought he was talking about she thought he was talking about his daddy, but he wasn't talking about his daddy. He was talking about, I got born again, and my old man is dead. So we've had several laughs over that. Amen. Um, 1 Peter 3, 4. No, we don't have... See, we're going to have to get in control. If you want to be set free from anger, you know, hey, it's no more of a sin to get angry and slam your cabinet door than it is to get, oh my God, a tornado's coming, oh my God, a tornado's coming. That is just as much a sin to be in fear like that. Woo, I think I 
hit a nerve or something. Amen. That is just as much sin as slamming cabinet doors. And we are to take, we're born again. And we are to take, we are to renew our mind to the Word of God. If you've got fear like that, you need to get in Psalm 91 every day. And you don't get out of it, you read it every day until, until I don't care, a funnel cloud could be coming right towards you. And you would say, Therefore I will not fear, though the mountains be removed and the earth, or though the earth be removed and the mountains fall into the midst of the sea. And you say, when this tunnel cloud goes by, I'll still be standing right here. Because yes, no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. It is sin for Christians to be fearful and remain that way. Now, and I say that because I was, I've told uh, most of the people in here might know this. I was the biggest chicken on earth. When Colin was a baby, he, I, I, they, and we didn't, it's not even like Alabama where we grew, where we were. I mean, we have storms and stuff, but we don't have tornadoes every other weekend. And, uh, and, uh, We didn't have them out there. But a little cloud, as small as a man's hand, could come in the sky. And I would go into panic. And I would start packing his diaper bag. And I would make 12 bottles. And I would put bottles in this diaper bag. And then I would say, I would make my husband take me to the Baptist church. And they had a little awning, a metal awning, where you could get in when it was raining and stuff. And I would make him take me down there, and we would park under that. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, that metal awning would have been the first thing to go with a tornado. I mean, because fear is crazy. Fear will cause you to do crazy things. And I was a maniac. I was so fearful of storms. And I mean, it was, and we would jerk that little baby up, and we would go in the middle of the night, two and three in the morning, and sit under a, an awning at the Baptist church. I guess I thought the Baptist church, because we were Baptist, like, I guess I thought. You know, God won't let His church be touched, I guess. Now, I know that's not right because a bunch of churches in Birmingham have gotten blown away in tornadoes. So that was a bad theory. You know, we can't put our trust in stuff like that. We put our trust in the Word. And God set me free from fear. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to have to close. I don't want to. Oh, let's first read first. Since you already turned there, we'll read First Peter 3, 4. Hallelujah. <coughs> But it let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. This is the hidden man of the heart. Now he's talking to them about um, not to worry so much about the outward man. Now, I mean not to be platin, worrying about platting your hair and all that kind of stuff. Now, we, now he's not talking about don't fix your hair. But you know, there's some women... They don't ever think to pray. But boy, they're up at five in the morning to get that hair right. And it takes them that long. I mean, I got a stepsister that she has to get up at five o'clock in the morning to get it all going just the right way. I mean, some of us just have natural beauty. What can I say? It just takes me 10 minutes to throw it all on. Maybe 20, really, 20. 20 on a hard day. 20 when you're having a hard day. Woo, hallelujah. But he said, don't be, so, don't be so involved with that outward man. He said, because it's the hidden man of the heart. This is the hidden man. And did you know that it's the hidden man that's the real you? That thing you're wearing on the outside there, that isn't even you. That's not the real you. 
You have a spirit man on the inside, and that's the real you. And he says, the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible. This man is not corruptible. He's not subject to death. He's not subject to sin. Death will never touch this man. He's not subject to decay. He's not subject to sickness. This is He's incorruptible. He can't be corrupted. Sin... The reason sin don't bother God, you know why sin don't bother God? It's because it's not this man doing it. It's the flesh. It's the flesh. So God don't get real upset about it. Because it's this man. Now preachers get real upset about sin. We get upset. We don't, preachers don't like sin. Preachers get upset about sin. But the truth is, God's not very upset about what you've ever done. He paid the price for all of it. Amen. And he wants you to just get a hold of the fact that you're a spirit and that you're, your spirit man is incorruptible and you're powerful on the inside. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm a hundred times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. You know, I may, I may look just like a little five foot two squatty body. My dad says squatty body. Squatty body, 50 year old woman, but I tell you, I'm a dynamo on the inside. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you. You may not look like much on that. It don't matter. So, you know, if you're not a beauty queen, if you're not a Mr. Atlas, well, you, you just, just develop this man, and you'll outshine them all. You'll outshine them all. Let's stand up together. Now, we got, next week, we got some good